and then we also have some verses from Philippians chapter 4, um, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. All right, here we are again, fruit of the spirit. Let me just clear me some spot here, all these announcements. Uh, yeah, you guys ready? Yeah? Everybody awake? Yeah, boy. I can really feel the excitement in the air here. We're just a couple weeks out uh, before we end this series. We're in the looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Actually, it, I looked at it, we're going to be ending, coming up right on Palm Sunday, which is way closer than I realized. Easter is just around the corner. It's like surreal. This year has just been moving as quick as the last one, and nothing's changing in a lot of ways. And so we're down to just three attributes of the fruit of the Spirit left, looking at this list from, that Paul gives us here in Galatians. And all we have left now is just peace, gentleness, and love. And continuing with this kind of seemingly random uh, order that we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, uh, seemingly being the key word there, uh, I have my reasons why we did it the way we did. Again, you can ask me some other time. But uh, we're going today be looking at gentleness. Gentleness is uh, a very challenging one for me. Uh, I feel like it's, it's not a word we really use that often, and I think it can kind of uh, spark all kinds of ideas in our mind. And I think there's this kind of idea of gentleness that I think we maybe want to associate with kind of being calm, being very mellow. Um, and I think we kind of maybe have an inter-perspective of what that might look like. Maybe you're hanging out uh, alone in your room and just enjoying maybe some music or whatever it might be and you feel quite calm, you feel quite at ease, maybe this kind of feeling of like serenity and you think maybe to yourself, you know, I am quite a gentle person and you can maybe just kind of be a little bit pleased with yourself in that thought and take a nice deep breath and then suddenly you hear this pots and pans banging and people yelling and music blasting and your roommates are, have a bunch of people over and they're being really loud and really annoying and really crazy. Or maybe your kids just start screaming at each other out of nowhere and you're like, what's happening? Or your phone just starts buzzing because of that stupid group you got sucked into that you don't even really need to be in. And you think, man, I could have such a gentle spirit if it just weren't for all these people around me. Anybody ever been there? No, you guys are brave lifting your hands in this place. Good for you. We can have this idea of what it means to be gentle. But no matter how gentle we feel, how we respond to those moments, how we respond to the noise of life when it gets loud, or how we respond to conflict shows our true nature. 
and whether or not we truly have gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit in our life. We've all experienced maybe at one time or another or one form or another these kinds of moments. And it's good to remember that biblical gentleness is always about our actions toward others. It's an outward expression, not something that's only experienced inwardly. No matter, we can feel it, but uh, how do we actually live it? How are we showing it? With good practice, we can learn to quiet our minds and feel quite gentle in ourselves, quite calm, again, alone in our room, the music going, whatever it might be, essential oils if you're into that. But this in itself is useless. It's useless when it comes to expressing the fruit of the Spirit, which as I say all the time, every week, that's the goal. That's the whole point of this. That's why we're taking so much time to go through this every uh, over so much time, over so many weeks, to look at each one of these so particularly. Because the fruit of the Spirit should be seen. It should be seen in us. Emphasizing, first of all, that every single aspect of the fruit of the Spirit should be growing and maturing in us, in our lives, as we walk daily by the Spirit, putting to death the, the ways of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and choosing to walk in the Spirit in all areas of our life. And as I always say, not some of them, not uh, the ones that we like, the ones that we're maybe naturally better at, but all of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things should be seen in our life. But we can't underestimate that importance of, of the seen part. The, the seen aspect, the fruit of the Spirit, is a description of Jesus himself, a description that we should be proclaiming in our life by the way that we live, the way that we demonstrate our Christianity. It's not about doing the right thing, but living out the fruit that is being produced within us as we are sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think I, I want to emphasize that a little bit extra, especially the scene part when it comes to an idea of gentleness that can, I mean, at least for me, I don't know, some of you be like, maybe you think a lot about this, I don't know. Uh, but for me, it felt like something very abstract, not really in my general realm of thinking, to think about how to be gentle. Maybe it's just because I'm very not much that. <laughs> I am definitely not something that's someone who's gifted with this naturally as just a, a naturally gentle person. But I should be seeing this in my life. We should all be seeing this in our life. And not just us, but everybody around us should be seeing this in how we live our life. No matter how gentle we may feel in our quiet, comfortable space, which can be a good thing in itself. If our gentleness is not seen toward others, then how can they see Christ in us? And gentleness is one that is very uh, powerful in the, in the message that it sends. So let's talk about gentleness. What is gentleness? And how should it look? What does it look like? How does it manifest? And how can we attain it and keep it in even difficult situations or dealing with difficult people? Let's start with defining gentleness as we see it here in the text. The word, the Greek word here can be translated gentleness, mildness, humility, and is, it's synonymous with another word and actually has the same root as another word that we see often in scripture, which is meekness. 
So meekness and gentleness can be, are quite synonymous in their meaning. And just as with goodness and kindness, gentleness is not about weakness. In fact, maybe even more so than the other two, it's quite the opposite. Gentleness is really about power in reserve. It's about power and authority held back. Gentle strength, if you will. It isn't timidity or passiveness, which is this idea of avoiding or deflecting situations and in some situations or some ways or aspects kind of even letting yourself be stepped on. I don't want to cause any ripples or conflicts or, and it's almost rooted in fear. It's not that. I found this, I'll quote, it is the quality of the man or woman who is always angry at the right time and never at the wrong time. I like that definition. So it's not only about pulling back and and kind of being always soft or quick to run away. It's about a wisdom to know how to handle ourselves. It's not an inability to get angry. It is the wisdom to be angry at the right things, the right time. I... I have, I, when I told my wife this, she laughed at me, but I'm going to give it to you guys anyway. For some reason, when I think of, when, as I was reading about gentleness and kind of thinking about it, the, this image kept coming up in my mind of an elephant. It's all right, you can laugh at me. I'm secure enough for that. I think maybe you think, maybe when you think of, a, of gentle, the, that's maybe the last animal you might think of. Um, but I have an experience um, that is another story itself and isn't the point of here. But I, I had an opportunity one time to ride on an elephant uh, through a jungle. And it was, it was quite an experience. And something that I can tell you that really surprised me is that when you're on an elephant, you, you see immediately they're, they're not weak. <laughs> when you're, your first impression of, of being close enough to touch an elephant is, wow, this thing is massive. It's so strong. It's so big. It's so, I mean, it's, it's just kind of like humbling to just be near it. They're not weak or timid. They're strong. And yet, they were so gentle at the same time. It has the power and the strength and the force to, to push its will if it wants. To crash through a forest without breaking a sweat. To bring down a tree. Yet... As I sat on the back of an elephant, walking through this jungle, I was amazed at its gracefulness, how quiet and gentle it was able to move through the forest, leaving almost no trace behind it. You wouldn't imagine that. And that's this idea of gentleness. It's great strength and power, but the wisdom to know when to use it, and knowing when not, and knowing how to be gentle, to be still, to be calm, to be patient, to be humble, not flaunting everything that we have. So what does gentleness look like? Gentleness is a quality where one does not need to show their full strength to everybody they meet. We've known people like that who just need to let you know everything they know. That is the opposite of gentleness. 
It is a wisdom to choose wisely how to react in a given situation. Not to just jump in and, oh yeah, I'm coming. You you want to say that to me? But to have wisdom to know when not to speak. Not being easily frustrated, easily angered, easily coaxed into an argument. Let's consider a contrast, I think, or the opposite of gentleness a bit further as we think about what gentleness really looks like. In 1 Timothy 3, 3, we see this kind of, uh, this word gentle in the midst of some of its counterparts. So 1 Timothy 3, 3, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And I think all of these actually can be seen as the opposite end of the spectrum from gentle. Drunkenness. Drunkenness is about being out of control, unable to think or see clearly, only able to react, only able to respond with passion, without thought, without foresight, but to just go in full on. A complete lack of wisdom. Violent. Resorting to physical action with the intent to harm or to hurt somebody, to enforce your will. To come in forcefully, even if I have to be aggressive, violent, physically violent. This shows an inability to properly reason. A lack of understanding of communication and its value, or a lack of ability to do so, to be able to communicate what you want to say, or to communicate, or to listen, or to hear what other people are communicating to you. I just shut down and we just switch to violence instead to get our way. Or quarrelsome, somebody who's argumentative, quick to disagree, generally quite arrogant, feeling that they are always right and everyone else is always wrong and it's their job to correct that and to correct everyone around them. And I think even lover of money can fall into this kind of other end of the spectrum because it's really at its root about selfish ambition, seeking always to see my own benefit in any situation. Whereas being gentle never does that. It's never using or manipulating or doing all I can to gain everything out of a conversation, out of a relationship, out of a a connection I have with somebody, but rather maybe seeking their benefit. So these particularly all embody everything that a gentle spirit does not. Again, gentleness is not weakness. And I think when we look at these, these can appear as strength, at least from the person who is enacting them with violence or drunkenness or being a lover of money or being quarrelsome. All of these things can have this appearance of power or strength, but the real strength is in gentleness. And the point is that one does not need to use violence or to be boisterous or quarrelsome, right? Convinced that you're always the one who's in the right and the world needs to be made to see things as you do. Gentleness is a cool-headed wisdom, a calm and patient heart, a humble and meek spirit. So how can we get this? We have to understand, or we have to have a root 
that's connected into a deeper knowledge and truth of who God is. And I think in this, we are actually blessed in our gentleness. We're blessed in our gentleness. Let me explain. Matthew 5, 5. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That word again, meek and gentle, we can, uh, are quite synonymous with one another. So someone who is meek or gentle, they're not trying to assert themselves over others by their own strength, by their own power, in order to see their own agendas fulfilled. Let my will be done. We've all known people like that. We've all maybe done that at some point or another in a conversation. Instead, they are blessed and will inherit the earth. What does that mean? Because they trust in God and his providence to direct the outcome of all events. It's saying, I don't, I don't need to force my will ultimately because God's will will be done in the end. And I'm putting my trust in him. So no matter how this conversation goes, no matter how this situation plays out, I don't have to worry. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about how things are going to work out now or that I have to make things happen a certain way because I can lean back when things don't make sense and trust in God's will to be done because he is ruler and judge over all things and all people. So thus, I can respond gently even to people who are angry or, or hurtful. I can be gentle because I don't have to force my will. I don't have to force my understanding onto everyone around me. I can trust in God's providence to be working all things out. And as with all the fruit of the Spirit, it flows out of a right understanding of our relationship to God. When we trust fully in his providence, the work for him to work all things out in our life, we can choose gentleness in every situation, which is to choose to not act in our own strength, not to react to a situation, but to surrender to him, to surrender to him. And this truth creates and defines gentleness in our life and produces, it's not, again, it's not, it produces power. To be gentle produces power if you can really wield it well. It's the opposite of weakness. And let me, let me give you one example. In Proverbs 15.1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, I think this is interesting. Let me say a word about harsh words because... A harsh word can even be a good word, even a true word. But if it isn't going, it's not going to accomplish what you hope for it to accomplish if it's not done in gentleness. And ultimately, if it's not done in love. If we come at somebody with something that's maybe true about them, and we all know, you can say something that's very true, but very harsh. That's very hurtful. If it's not done in love, if it's not done in gentleness, and equally, and I can tell you this from my own experiences, when you're faced with rage, with anger, with violence, and you respond with a gentle word, genuinely given in love, not sarcastically, 
We have to be careful with this because it's not, I'm talking about, you know, genuine, I say this a lot throughout this because it's very important that we keep that in mind. I don't know if you maybe are understanding what I'm saying here, but like you can say a nice word and sound like kind of a, a sarcastic jerk. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so when I say this, we have to, I'm talking about genuinely saying it because you genuinely care for the person. You genuinely want to see the conflict resolved, even though they're coming at you with anger and rage. A soft answer diffuses, and, all, and I can say this too from experience of, of situations where I had somebody who wanted to fight me, and it confuses them. It's very confusing to somebody who's ready to fight, ready to throw down, and they're filled with anger, veins popping out of their neck, and you really show them genuine love. Whoa. They can feel that. They can sense it. And it's freaky. They may not, it may not, it doesn't, that a couple times that that's happened to me, it worked out well in the sense that it diffused the situation. I can't promise it as like a, that that's always going to happen. But we are called to be gentle. Trying to be quick to apologize, even if it's not completely our fault. Seeking peace rather than being right. Learning to just let things go. It's not worth it. It's not worth holding on to. It's not worth fighting over. That's my daughter. She always brings a smile to my face. Keeps me gentle. Paul shows us a right and gentle approach when it comes to conflict. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 23 through 25. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. So first, don't get into foolish arguments. Don't argue with people that you know... They're not, even, they're not looking to learn something. They're not looking to grow. They're not looking to gain something. They just want to cause conflict and problems and, and be quarrelsome. Don't, e don't even engage in that. That's not our job. We don't want to be fighting and, and quarreling with everybody. I think of this, uh, tying this in really actually, it's, it's important to think about evangelism. When people are talking, when we're talking to people about Christ or people are asking us questions about Jesus or about what you believe, there's a line, and gentleness will play a huge role in how we do this well and how we're able to demonstrate who Christ is or, or tell people about who Christ is. Because we can really easily fall into an anger or a defense that won't come off loving. And sometimes people might come at us really hard, and sometimes it's best to not engage but he, he, he says don't engage, but then he also says uh, when we are faced with opponents that we should gently instruct them. And then he gives us this thing of what we should be hoping for. So let me add to that. When, we, when you are faced with someone who is quarrelsome, who's difficult, who's argumentative, whether it's, just, whether it's your brother or someone in your family or a close friend or an acquaintance or a colleague 
or a teacher or a boss. And whether it's about your faith or about something else entirely. What is, this is the question to ask, what is your deepest concern as you enter into that conflict? What is your deepest concern? Is it for them? Or that you would come out on top? Do you want to end that conversation looking really good? Oh, I got some good truths. I'll show them. I'm going to destroy them (laughs) and their ideas. Is the thought going through your mind, what can I do? What can I do that they would be led to repentance? How does that look? What can I say? What can I do that they would be led to repentance? That they would be led to a knowledge of the truth? That they would leave this interaction with me having a deeper and better understanding of who Christ is. Maybe it's through the conversation itself or maybe it's through the example that I'm able to live with a gentle spirit. Is that the thoughts going through your head? You have mastered gentleness. Congratulations, you're dismissed. Most of us not. Most of us not. We resort to our emotions, and our emotions are very big, very strong, and they're very loud, and they can cloud our judgment. But that's what Paul is describing here. That we would have that as our goal. Even even if I... Don't get to show all the things that I know. Even if I don't get to flex my, my muscles of knowledge and maybe show them how foolish they really are or how foolish what they think really is. Even though they feel like they won the argument at the end. That's a hard one. That feeling, that weird like, ooh, I don't know if I could do that. That's pride. You should destroy that it will, or it will destroy you even though they feel like they won the argument, though I know I really did. (laughs) My goal is not for myself, but that they would benefit from the conflict. Or are you just thinking the whole time, what a flippin' idiot. (laughs) I'm gonna crush him. How you respond to that will tell you a lot about your heart when it comes to gentleness. It's a challenging one. True, genuine gentleness is shocking. It's shocking to live out. It's shocking to experience. It's shocking to see. Ah, oh, that's the key. It's shocking for people to see this, for the world to see this. When we're slow to anger, abounding in love and grace, Returning harsh words with soft and patient ones and gracious ones. This is what gentleness looks like. And it will shock people in your life. We live in such a loud world. Everyone is shouting their opinions. Everyone is screaming their points. And everyone is convinced that they are right. And there's such wisdom in learning to be gentle. To be able to navigate this, not with the loudest voice, not with the angriest voice, but with a spirit of gentleness. And it doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth. 
doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth. We are called to speak the truth. But as Peter says, we are called to speak the truth in love. But we should still speak the truth. And it means that we would never speak the truth out of anything but genuine love for those to whom we speak it. That's gentleness. Our gentleness should also be seen in every in our everyday life, in every area of our life. As Philippians 2.14 says, or commands us, do everything without grumbling or arguing. That's again, that's the opposite of gentleness. As we present ourselves gentle to all people, it should be seen in how we do things without whining and complaining about it all the time. Even when your boss gives you or a teacher gives you something to do and you think, that's such a waste of time. Why? And maybe you voice your concern, which I think is okay, but you're met with, uh, yeah, okay, whatever, do it anyway. Then you have a choice to become resentful, to think lowly of your idiot boss or your idiot teacher, or to choose gentleness, to choose meekness, to choose humility, and say, I don't, I don't need to always show that I'm right. I don't need to always show everybody up or put everyone else around me down. And again, it's connected with what? This bigger picture of God's providence, knowing who you are, your identity. Boy, if you don't have that, and I've talked about that a lot with, throughout this entire series, but if you don't have that, if you don't know that, you can't really see any of the fruit of the Spirit. Not in my notes, but forgiveness, a knowledge of God's providence, these things are a foundation. You cannot be gentle with other people if you don't have a forgiving heart, if you don't have an understanding that God is in control and I trust in him over all things in my life. Gentleness is having the power. It's having the knowledge and is knowing the truth and maybe even being able to, to have the, the ability to hurt somebody with your words, to, to know how to end an argument so that you look like you've come out on top. But because you only have a desire, you only have a desire to show them love and to see them benefit through the, through the conflict, through the situation, through the conversation, through the argument, whatever it might be, that you wouldn't dare use those things. And you're not even going to think, you're not even thinking about those things. You're only thinking of what can I do? What can I say? What can I use to see them grow? That's gentleness. But how can we hope to continually live in gentleness? Well, the first and most important thing is to understand that genuine, again, genuine gentleness, not false or fake gentleness, but genuine gentleness or meekness is a work of God in your life. We have no hope to be genuinely gentle without, with anybody that we encounter in any area of our life, apart from the work and gift of God. It is only possible as a fruit that is being produced within us. And we can be thankful for that as we know Christ and we see these areas where you're like, man, I'm not gentle here. We can come to God. We can ask the Holy Spirit to be filling us more and more and showing us areas of our life that we need to work on and giving us the tools to do so, producing gentleness in our life. And the second is that there is a practical way to deepen our understanding of God in order to produce gentleness that is truly seen by all. 
And for that, I want to consider, or want you, would ask you to consider with me, how to connect verse 5 and 6 of our text in Philippians 4. Verse 5 says, we see verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all, which I've been saying a lot. Let it be evident to all. Everybody should see your gentleness. Not just the Christians, not just the people that you like or you have a close relationship with. Everyone, it should be evident to all. And then verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to, the, to God. That's a verse we know really well. In fact, you might know both of those fairly well, uh, but how do we connect them? What's the connection between these two verses? See, when we read through all of this together, it kind of feels a little bit random. I think it's because we tend to focus on particular verses, and when we do that, we can miss, we can make the mistake of missing uh, what's really going on here, because Paul did not write verses. He didn't write those in. He didn't put numbers next to uh, various connect collections of words to say, okay, here's one thought, here's the next thought. Uh, that was us, or that was done much, much after it was written. It was a letter. It's one letter. It's all connected. And these are pretty close thoughts, so there must be a connection between verse 5, which is letting our gentleness be seen by the world that we live in, and verse 6, that we should not be anxious, but we should pray. So what's the connection? Let's walk through it like this. We have an output goal. We have something that we are hoping to see manifesting in our life. An output. What's the output? To have a gentleness that is evident to every single person we meet. It should be a part of every aspect of our life, every encounter we have. And let me put it this way. Gentle, gentle should be a word people use to describe you. Even people who don't know you that well. Who people who maybe started just started working with you uh, the last few months or whatever, man, that person, there's something about them. Yeah, gentle. They're, they have a gentleness about them. Do you have people in your life that would say that about you? And the, the real question is the people who know you really well, would they say it about you? Some of you may be so, and I think that's good. Some of us not so much. But that's the goal. That's what we want to see. That's all of our goal. We want to see an output of gentleness that is seen by the world we live in. The problem is that we're anxious. We have fears. We have doubts. And these produce something else. They don't produce gentleness. What do fears and anxieties, what do doubts, what do these produce? They cause us to have anger, to have resentment, to have arrogance toward others. A life rooted and governed by fear and anxiety will make, a very, make it very difficult to be gentle with people who annoy us, people who intimidate us, people who rule over us, whether it's a teacher, a parent, a boss. It will be very difficult when we are governed by anxieties and fears because what does anxiety and fear what, what do we feel as our reaction to that? We want control. We want to have control over situations. We want to take back control and, and not feel those anxieties and fears anymore. And that makes it very difficult to be gentle with people, which is the opposite of taking control. 
So what's the solution? The solution is to get rid of those things. Get rid of your anxiety. Get rid of your fears. Get rid of your doubts. And when we first learn to give these to God, this is the connection, guys. We give these to God through petition, through thanksgiving, through making our request known to God, surrendering these things to him in prayer. We're then set free from those things. Set free from our anxieties, our fears, our doubts. And we are then free to have peace, to have joy. And this allows us to have gentleness that is evident. Ah, because when somebody's coming at me, and I know I need to respond to gentleness, ah, but I've already given away my fears. I've given away my anxieties. I have peace. I have joy. I have the love of God in my life. Those things aren't going to sink very deep. And I can look through. Let me tell you, when, I, when, when you get to this point, you can look through and see, ah, they're coming at me with anger. They're trying to be violent. They're trying to, they have rage, but I see that it's just fear. I see that it's just their anxieties, their insecurities. And man, I, I, I want to try to help them with that. That's my goal. When you become firm in this, you can respond in gentleness with a goal to even see people come out of that. So that's the answer. The answer is to cultivate a daily and fervent prayer life. Oh, get close to God. Then we will find we are able to surrender more of these things, get rid of these fears, get rid of these anxieties in order to present ourselves to the world in gentleness. And then we see this verse in verse seven. He kind of sums up this idea with this beautiful picture of being guarded. Verse seven says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all understanding, everything that we, can, that we know, everything that we perceive, how we understand the, the, way things that, the way things work, why things are happening to us, it transcends all of that, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your heart and your mind. It's so easy for us to fall back into our fleshly nature. To want to respond to anger with anger. To seek, but we should instead seek to guard our our hearts by surrendering them to prayer rather than guarding our own hearts, protecting our own reputation, trying to push our own will out there because of our fear. I challenge us all. Let us learn to pray. Let us learn to pray so that the peace of God, which goes far beyond our own understanding, would guard our hearts against fear, against hurt, against insecurity, and would guard our minds to not be reliant on our own knowledge, our own understanding, but to trust in Christ's wisdom and God's providence for our life. And as we learn to surrender our fears and anxieties to God through prayer, we also want to seek to simply know Jesus better. And that helps too, so that we may follow him more completely Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
How many of us have been burdened with anxiety, burdened with fears, burdened with our, our doubts? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So we're to follow him. We want to learn from his example. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is our source to be humble and gentle as we find our rest in him. As we're cultivating a healthy and powerful and fervent prayer life, seeking him knowing him, surrendering everything that we don't need, everything we need to get rid of, and simply resting in his presence. He is gentle. And as we learn to have a faithful prayer life, we will learn to be gentle as he is gentle, to become like him as we represent him to the world through our gentleness. And to see an image of Christ's gentleness, of course, we have to think of the cross again as we did last week with patience. So let me read Philippians 2, 5 through 8, which ties it in in how we should be following him in his example. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What a powerful start. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." That puts it in perspective. What gentleness. What an expression of gentleness and humility. Though all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him, he didn't need to rage in his power and authority to flex his muscles, but instead to choose to demonstrate gentleness toward mankind. And what gentleness. To have such authority and power And to look down at those who had nailed him to the cross and say, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. You see, he saw their hearts because he wasn't moved. He didn't have any insecurities. He wasn't wasn't up there in fear. He was up there in gentleness, in humility, in meekness. And he cared for those who were trying to hurt him because he knew that's not what they really wanted. We should follow this example, as he says, in your relationships with one another. In all your encounters with all other people, you could say, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This kind of mindset, to have that level of humility and meekness. Let us have a gentle heart as Christ does for us. Gentleness with all those in our life, friends, family, co-workers, acquaintances, even strangers, even that rude person who took your seat on the tram or didn't hold the door for you when you were running and waving at them, the car that honked at you when you were riding your bike and nearly caused you to have a heart attack. I've had that experience a couple times. Let us have radical gentleness. 
Let our gentleness be seen so clearly by everyone in our life and let this gentleness be the gentleness of Christ so that it may lead others to him in the hope, in the hope, even if it's a small sliver of hope, but in the hope that they too may find rest, that they too may find hope in him as we have. That the strength that we have to be able to be gentle would be a testimony that would lead them to find it and to seek it for themselves. So I challenge you this week, seek to be more aware of yourself. Maybe you're like me and you didn't really think a lot about gentleness before today. How gentle you are or not. Maybe it's just something that's been very distant from your mind. Try and think about it this week. Be aware of your actions. How do you respond to things? Ask yourself, what is motivating my action here? Why am I getting angry at this? Why do I feel like I need to win this conflict? Is it really that important? Is it really worth fighting about? Do I just need to win? Or do I genuinely hope to teach them something, to see them grow? And if that's the case, am I really going about it the best way? This kind of wisdom, these kinds of thoughts are what create gentleness in a practical way in our life. So think about it. Be aware of yourself. And as you do, pray. Pray that God would take your anxieties, give those things to him daily, and pray for the Holy Spirit to produce more gentleness in your life. Ask yourself, am I gentle at work, with my studies, when I interact with my family? And some of you are going to be more challenged by this than others. I know I certainly am. And I want to remind you of something that encouraged me. This is from a song, uh, but I find it, it's, it's a definitely a truth of God's word. It says, he who can calm a raging sea. And what is that? Jesus literally made storms stop. He who calmed a raging sea can surely calm a storm in me. He can surely calm any rage, any moment where you feel like I need to, re- I need to react. And ask yourself, what is my motivation here? And ask Christ to calm and to guard your heart against any foolish action, but instead to have gentleness. And I'll invite the band to come back up as we prepare to close. Do this through prayer and surrender, through trust in the providence of God And in the relief, the rest found in Christ Jesus. Let all your actions be defined by gentleness. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your example, your powerful and poignant example of gentleness. Let it sink into our hearts. Let it be something that we aspire to and teach us today, this week, and every day moving forward in our life to have a radical gentleness in the way that we live, that it would be an impact on everybody that we come in contact with. And let us live it in a way that is seen by the world, that they may see you in us. In Jesus' name, amen.